Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Up podcast. Today I got a different episode for you. Uh, wanted to give a different style of hunting, something that's done underwater. Spearfishing has gained some popularity among us uh lower 48 folks uh that are not on the ocean and headed to hawaii so i wanted to do a little bit of learning hunting is is not on the on the docket or even the possibility for me while i'm down in maui uh so i wanted to do something to to share a new skill new kind of deal so um headed there end of february uh wanted to chat with a gentleman i was introduced to bobby twitchell from south maui spearfishing he is the founder of uh, Maui Spearfishing Academy and is an educator, loves teaching and sharing uh, his sport in a conservation-minded way. Uh, they target a lot of invasive species um, and they're good eating. Uh, some are not so great eating. And then other, the whole point is really to, to help people learn how to spearfish or dive. Uh, it's not legal on a lot of all states i don't i don't know if it's all or most or what but i know it's not legal in a good chunk of states but that doesn't mean it's not something you can't do in the future uh approaching your your um board your not board your uh not school board at all <laughs> school board version of the game commission there it is you approach your game p- commissions and looking for new opportunities like this they will listen to things if you can find a group, a dive dive group, uh, that sort of thing. So the states add various things. I know most states are taking things away, which again, go check out howl.org to make sure we're, you're sending your howls to help things out. Looks like Colorado's not do it looking so hot for that ballot initiative. Uh, but anyway, there's uh, you can you can make things happen. Uh, so spearfishing is definitely a hunting underwater game. I wanted to ask him a lot more about 
what were some of these hunting techniques and, and, uh, um, it just ended up being a more of a intro to spearfishing and what some of these techniques are included getting down, laying on the bottom, that sort of thing. So I learned a lot. Um, I can always tell when I have a good episode or interview with somebody after I get done interviewing, cause I go upstairs, just kind of bubbly and happy. And this is one of those. So, uh, if that's any indicator that you should give it a listen, uh, then keep listening. In other news, uh, make sure you go check out howl.org as well as um, check out the Outdoor Call Radio app. And that's a good good way to get some more content always. And then if you wouldn't mind, just make sure you give my business a follow, Black Hills Antlers and uh, Western Hunting a follow. And on Instagram and Facebook. Other than that, thanks for listening. And uh, we're we're getting close to that holiday season. Hunting seasons are wrapping up. So I'm going to need to do a season wrap-up episode. Got another one next week with uh, Dylan Dawes- Dawson from uh, Onyx. Frequent uh, guest that I've had. And uh, he has been killing some monsters. So we're going to talk elk and mule deer hunting uh, next week with him so i'm excited about that one thanks everybody all right bobby thanks for joining the western hunting podcast um before i have you introduce yourself i in talking spearfishing i i feel like every decade there's a new activity sport that gets popular among the masses of outdoorsmen um, and then there's some people that have been doing that thing their entire lives. So, uh, for instance, you, you've been doing this thing. We're going to talk about your entire life. I would, I would presume or close yes. to, but it's definitely hit some, some new popularities. Uh, shed hunting was one of those foraging was another one of those, uh, <laughs> archery, <laughs> just various things in the hunting world has, has gained these popularities and you can cl- you could probably throw some names out there of who's doing those sorts of things in the uh, influencer world, but who cares? Um, but I feel like spearfishing, even us in here in South Dakota uh, and in the West are starting to see this thing that is super cool and, and a fun way, another way of enjoying our outdoors and enjoying uh, something um, that we all enjoy, the resources that we have, the natural resources we have. And uh, I, I'm excited to talk with you about uh, some of those things that you got going on. And you also have a conservation-minded piece as well in, in what you do. But um, we can touch on that, but I don't want to get too into the weeds of a total different topic. Uh, but yeah, this this spearing has gained some popularity for sure in the lower 48. Uh, different topic than what we talk about here on my hunting Western hunting podcast. But I'm headed to Maui here in the three months and I'm pumped. I'm ready to to go have some fun and in paradise there. So um I I, end up doing a, a Maui podcast after this when you move here. So Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh I just moved back closer to home. <laughs> so I gotta be uh yeah, that'd be a hard, hard move. Um <laughs> although I can understand why why people want to for sure. Um <laughs> So I'm very new to spear fishing. Uh, I literally got my two spear guns on the wall there that are, they're barely broken in. I wouldn't even say they're broken in. And so I apologize for 
uh if you got to dumb things down for us um and my audience some of us may have some experience some not but um we're interested and i think there's a huge connection between uh the you're a hunter you're underwater hunter um so what what spear fishermen are doing and hunting so i I think this is a great conversation to have and things to learn from so bobby thanks again for coming uh if you wouldn't mind just introduce yourself and what you do yeah so uh, thanks for having me yeah i'm bobby twitchell um my dad was bob twitchell and moved out here uh was a surfer on the west coast that moved out here in the early 70s to be a big wave surfer and he was hunting and fishing you had to back then to even just fit in early 70s Maui is a lot different than it is now and that's what he was outdoors and uh we're country people out here for sure as far as the longtime locals go uh surfers and hunting even archery spear fishing it all goes hand in hand um uh, whether, you know, a lot of other activities, it's all about the land and the water out here in Hawaii. So real Hawaiian style culture. It's not the bongos and the whatever people picture with the island life. It, it is country people for sure. It's big families, uh, boar hunting, fishing, all of that. And so that's how I was raised. Um, my dad fished and hunted. I've got pictures holding up fish. I don't even remember. I was too young. He used to pull lobster nets out, you know, lobsters out of lobster nets that he would lay before I have any memory of this. I've just got the photos. So, um, yeah, deeply ingrained in me. Uh, people ask how I got into it. That's just that's what you did. I thought everybody grew up spearfishing. But that's just that's that's life for people. Turns out that's for the main 48. That's not normal, I guess, for most people. But it was for us. So, uh, it's a there's quite a story of how I got into this, but to save some of that time i basically i uh i got a degree in education went off to the mainland for arizona for a little while and moved back and i like to teach and they didn't have spearfishing education so i did math but uh uh i knew yeah. i wanted to be out yeah so i uh, started maui spearfishing academy about 12 years ago and uh acquired south maui spearfishing a few years later and i own and operate both um as well as alongside of some other really great spear fishermen. And I've uh, been doing that for, yeah, over a, over a decade, uh, full time. That's just what we do. People didn't think it was possible, but there's a lot of people, like you said, it's been growing and growing and growing. So we'll see, you know, when things have gotten weird with the fires in, in Maui, which I'm sure most people have heard about, uh, we're right there in Lahaina town, um, but our business is fine. Uh, we're still operating, um, but, uh, before all the craziness with COVID and everything, it wouldn't be weird to see 2000 people in a year, um, doing this activity with us. And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, coming from something that you couldn't find 15 years ago to being a staple, you know, a normal thing, people see our spearfishing trucks on the side of the road, uh, you know, going out and removing invasive species, hunting game fish, it's just another option of things to do out here now. So pretty uh, excited. Yeah, explain Maui's Spearfishing Academy because my wife and I are actually going to be sitting down here tonight and we've got our outline. We're headed there to um, my brother's marrying a, a Hawaiian. And so we'll be we'll be there for one day doing a wedding and then the rest is just fun stuff. And yeah. um, man, I, I, I'm working yet on either charters, which fishing charters are are what they are. I, I hear, I've heard a lot of boats got burnt up and, and things are not looking super good there. Um, but I, I have mentioned 
doing a little bit of spearing with my wife and she's really interested mm -hmm. and thought that right. that would be she'd she'd love to do that she loves to swim she loves water uh and, and i thought that'd be a fun thing for us to do so um yeah explain maui's uh your maui spearfishing academy and what you're doing with that yeah totally so um basically the idea of course is spearfishing is amazing people would love to learn how to spearfish uh it's a bit of a learning curve so people aren't going to be great at it right away the temptation is well since they're not good at it have them kill a bunch of little fish that are easy to shoot. Um, and that's really why I think it was not an activity before, because locals don't want to be taking people out to shoot a bunch of little fish. Well, over time, there's going to be a, people that are willing to, you know, do that and start hunting small butterfly fish or surgeon fish, whatever kind of fish. Um, and, uh, and so that was always concerning. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, I did a Roy roundup. A Roy is a invasive grouper. And I did my first tournament. Most tournaments are invasive species tournaments. Um, whether they're actually invasive or not is actually besides the point. It's more about sustainable fishing. So these fish uh, can be argued if they're actually invasive. They're definitely introduced and there's no getting rid of them. So it provides a really good opportunity for spear fishermen to uh, target a a, a fun fish to catch. We have three invasives that are known to be a problem by the locals. Uh, two of them are good eating. The other one is actually good eating, but there's a stereotype that it has a disease. So the grouper we don't eat, but the other two snappers, we eat those. It provides a good thing to go for. Often can be lunch or dinner. Um, perfectly sustainable. You could do this for hundreds of years and you'll, you know, you'll just notice that those fish are a little more skittish because people are going after them, but you're never going to get rid of them. Yeah. And so we always have something to target. Um, so that's awesome. We've now have a sustainable uh, product uh, that people can attempt to try to catch these fish. Well, I figured, perfect. I did this tournament. I learned how fun it was to actually just target invasives. I'm like, I can do that on my business. And sure, we'll catch a game fish if it comes by and that happens. But um, but really target invasives. Um, the problem is that these fish are a little harder to catch. And so people aren't going to catch fish every day. And for my hunters, no problem. You know, for my people who don't understand hunting and realize you don't catch every time, that can be concerning. You know, they paid all this money. They expect to catch fish or whatever. You know, the classic uh, person who does not understand hunting. And uh, they're thinking you're paying for the fish instead of paying yeah. for the experience. Yeah, their biggest concern. What do they do with all the meat that they have to lug back to the mainland, you know, right, dry? Right. <laughs> this is your first time, you know, I mean, we've done it. We've had people have to buy coolers to take fish meat back. But I mean, you know, that's insane to be able to catch something like that, to watch it happen and have people take home fillets of fish on their first day ever. It took me years to catch even a filletable fish that I didn't have to cook whole off the shore. Um, but I wasn't trained in free dive techniques. And so that's where the whole, this whole uh, business is wrapped around free dive techniques, how to hold your breath longer, how to dive down deeper with these techniques, you're able to perform better and actually catch fish that I couldn't catch growing up because I didn't have any of these techniques. So we actually train our guests in free dive techniques. And the reason we did that was because we wanted to give them something that was amazing enough. This instruction is so cool that before you even get in the water to go for fish, you already feel like the trip was worth it, you know, worth the money, the investment. 
And so it's so cool that, you know, we get out there and then the rest is just, a, you know, butter. It's just fun. We go out there and spearfish, use the techniques you learn, learn, you know, you learn these breath holding techniques, these safety routines, you follow these routines. You're, you're doing this together. You do this, you can do this with your kids afterwards, as long as, you know, they're a little older, you know, with 13 and up or whatever, but you know, you, you can do this with your kids. You watch each other's backs and you get to have fun free diving. Mm -hmm. So we offer these techniques to people to make sure that every day is worth it. And then we use these techniques, which help you catch the fish. So it's kind of a dual activity. You are learning how to spear fish, but you're also learning how to free dive. And one thing's guaranteed, which is nice. You can guarantee a great free dive instruction. We can't guarantee fish. So we can have a guarantee at least one thing you're going to really, it's going to make it worth it for your day. So that's kind of the idea behind Maui Spearfishing Academy and South Maui Spearfishing is that we will... Uh, that you're going to get your money's worth in quality spearfishing, free diving instruction, and then hopefully score some fish on top of that. And, and people take a lot of shots. I mean, we, we do get action. So it's, uh, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, what, one thing that's always got me perplexed is as I kind of dabble in this is seeing the, the depths, like the depths that you're hitting are, I'm not even thinking about that, <laughs> but what are you seeing your green, people doing like how what are they what are they feeling yeah. comfortable diving down and being and not just like i'm gonna see how far i can go but diving down to to see how far they can successfully target a fish yeah a good rule of thumb is you can touch twice the depth that you can hunt at um that's a general rule of thumb it's pretty accurate across the board uh most locals um are you know can can hunt 30 to 60 feet for those who are into it uh, they don't even realize they can touch twice that because uh, they never tried that sort of thing. For total beginners, there's there's there, I call them walls. There's three big walls to the sport. And if one of those walls is stopping you at some point, that could be two feet underwater. You know, it could be 30 feet or 60 feet. Um, for a beginner, the first wall that I would probably want to mention is uh, equalizing. Uh, you pinch your nose and blow. Some people can do it hands free. You got to equalize the pressure. The water pressure pushes on the ears. The air pressure inside of your head pushes against those ears. It equalizes the pressure so your ears stay happy. You should not have any pain. And you're diving down. You're going to consistently do that as you go down over and over and over. Every meter on the way down, every three feet on the way down is how often at least you should be blowing, holding your nose and blowing to equalize the pressure before you feel pain, not after. And if you can't figure that out, then you're going to be stuck around six feet or so, two meters, six feet. That would be typically where my non-equalizers are going to stop. And I would say for a total beginner, about a third of my guests who are not used to equalizing run into equalizing issues. And it's not because they can't. Um, they just don't know how. And they're just not doing it right. So we can help with that a little bit, but we can give advice. But ultimately, you're the one that's got to hold the nose, blow into the nasal cavity, not into the mouth you know, stay calm, realize that you are equalizing um, these types of things. So that can, that, that wall stops a lot of people right there at six feet. Um, and you try to make sure it's a great day, even for my, you know, five, six foot depth customers. But the other two walls are water comfort and breath hold. Um, the water comfort, we have nothing to do with. You know, you come out here and you panic the moment you get in the water and you go in the fetal position and you hold on to my float and you just lay there rocking. I mean, I'm going to drag you to shore. <laughs> I don't get too much of that, but I get that, you know, yeah. and uh, tell people ahead of time if they that might be you book a private because we don't need other customers seeing this. 
We'll take you out there. We'll be a snorkel guide. We'll teach you, you know, it's nice to be able to snorkel first before you try to spearfish. Highly advise snorkeling at least once before trying to put a spear gun in your hand. Mm. Um, so most of my guests are comfortable enough to do well more than they've ever done. And so that ends up not being too much of a factor for most guests. And then the last one is breath hold. And that's the one everybody thinks about. And that's what's cool is that we actually can teach that very well. And we will have customers green, never done it before, Montana, snorkeled, you know, every once every five years with the family sort of thing. And they will, I mean, we'll see them hold their breath two minutes a lot, very often, uh, three minutes. And this is at the surface. We do baby steps, surface, then in water, just a little bit, pulling down a line. It's called free immersion. Then we actually have them put the gun in their hand and actually try to do it while fishing. So there's some baby steps which you really want to do first. Um, and on land, I mean, we we will pretty often even break three-minute breath holds for complete beginners. Uh, I've seen four. I don't know. We get four once in a while, and, I've, and I have seen five-minute breath holds. Uh, and people are, yeah, they just, like, didn't know it was possible that anyone, they didn't even know anyone did five-minute breath holds, and here they are doing. Hmm. So... When you're doing, when you're holding your breath a minute and a half or two minutes, like my typical customers are on land, then you do half of that in the water. You're already ready to dive 30, 40 feet at that point. So if you're not being stopped with equalizing, so yeah, that's a very long answer to a simple, you know, to a simple question, but for a complete green person, yeah, 20, yeah. 30, 40 ends up being feeling way less intense than it did the day before our trip. Because we're taking baby steps, you're learning about what this bad feeling is. You're learning so much, and then you apply it to the water. And, and I mean, people are just over the moon. You know, they're like, forget the fish. You know, they yeah. shoot a fish, and they realize that, forget the fish. You know, they're the ones who really realize that the diving is so much better than the actual catching even. And maybe until you catch your first big fish, that's really fun, too. Sure, sure. And one quick last question, then I want to get into the technical stuff too. The um, it's technical for me, um, <laughs> the uh, length of your your the program for someone to to show up and want to want to do some learning is that a multi day, um, one day? What do you what do you do? I, we've we've done everything. We definitely have to make this trip be something that they can fit into their Maui vacation, and so uh, you know your example is perfect. You know, you come out here for a wedding, you got a bunch of stuff going on, you got family, you need a one day trip. Um, so it's a five hour trip it ends up being shorter often just depends on the dive site and everything, but ends up being a five hour trip, let's say seven to noon. Um, and diet, you know, guns, you know, gun safety, fish ID, free dive skills and safety, get in the water, baby steps, hunt for two, two and a half hours done go get lunch and uh you know that's a way that we can quickly get lots of people trained well and have a great time hmm. we do five-day camps you know for four of day four out of five days sort of thing um with we've done it with schools uh, we've done it with individual customers families yeah if you if you want to get good at spearfishing yeah do a day course and, and it's got to be private because it, it has to be based off of what you're what you want where you're at you know you, you invest and you'll see results uh, make sure you can equalize because that's five days of you going five feet deep if you can't equalize um, that's the only thing i say as long as you can equalize and you want to learn how to spearfish come yeah. do a multi absolutely yeah so. well 
I'm gonna look into this. You, you got you got room for end of February, beginning of March. That's a good time. Squeak it in before uh, spring break comes, and we've got a lot of room for that fun stuff. That's a good point. We do we we get slammed, and it's like you come in here in the middle of spring break. You know, join a yeah. group tour, join a bunch of group tours. I guess you get some repeat instruction. Never hurts, but yeah, slow, uh, and it's not the middle of like a school break. We get a lot of families, so then we can put together some fun stuff. You know, sweet. Yeah, um, I'm going to talk to her about it and see what she's thinking. But yeah. uh, I, I love the idea of uh, on vacation, I'm not all about just going and doing a fun thing. Mm. If if I get to learn something here, learn a skill, I've never really learned a skill on vacation. I feel like yes. I'm just being catered to if I'm doing a charter fishing trip. And I hate that. That's not yep. what I'm into. I don't want yep. to be handed a rod with fish already on it. I don't yep. want to be... It's not what I'm into. I'm an educator myself and I love learning. I absolutely love learning and, and the process of that. And I think my wife would enjoy that too. So anyway, enough about me and, and that sort of thing. So um, the the reason why I wanted to chat with you uh, was, was also just some of the hunting techniques and the hunters that are listening to this are probably thinking this is spear fishing in Hawaii, totally different from what we normally talk about. But uh, there's a lot of hunting related techniques and things for um for what you do and if we are in that three to six feet or if we are at that let's just keep it in that 20 30 30 feet max 30 feet max because then we can really not talk too much into the the diving and the breath holds and all that sort of thing because that's another level but um First off, I was the first thing I thought of I don't know why maybe it has to do with uh, I don't know if you've heard of like a hex suit um a hex tech i've heard i don't know hex suit h-e-c-s um it's just like a i don't know i think they made a they made a dive suit as well something about um i have one for hunting and it's just a thin layer has something to do with minimizing your your whatever you're putting off (laughs) sort of thing but anyway i was thinking camo like is camo and what you're wearing is that a thing is your Uh it's definitely a thing. Everybody uses it. But then again, that's what, that's, what's out there. You know, you go look it up online, spearfishing suits or camo. I mean, it's not hurting. Um, I know some buddies who have uh, done solid black suits on purpose in tournaments to just slay, to prove a point. Um, You know, so overall, no, uh, I would not worry about your suit. I mean, I wouldn't be as interested to do a solid yellow or a solid white. I mean, I don't know what's the point in that, but um, your typical suit, whether it's black and blue or black or camo, I don't see any, I'm not seeing any difference personally. So, got it. Okay. Quick answer. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Um, I want to talk then next about just movement. Um, We're not, we're swimming. We're not walking on land where we can hide behind a tree just, and you might be as natural as hiding behind a tree as I am (laughs) underwater. Um, but I, I'm kind of a fish out of water. We'll say under underwater because it's, there's a lot of movement there and controlling your body is done differently. Um, so what sorts of things, uh, movement wise, and as we are approaching fish and I realize that this might be like asking about what's the difference between hunting a pig and a turkey. <laughs> so, uh, but to me, I just think movement. All right. Well, with right. 
with elk, I need to be in front of a tree because they are so like movement oriented, but they can't get the breakout break vine. Uh, a whitetail is going to nail me anytime I budge, move, do anything. Um, and and so other species, you can get away with some stuff. So what do you, what are you thinking about is you're, you're kind of swimming movement wise, uh, arm location. I feel like if I'm needing to move and like, that's bad movement, moving my arms to the yeah. side and trying to adjust. So what, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, yeah, all that holds true. We are hunting, you know, we're not, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we're, we're not even fishing. I mean, we're hunting. Um, we're just hunting fish, but, um, the movement. Yeah. I, as you hunt shallower waters, it's actually harder. Deeper hunting is easier. Shallower hunting's harder. And that's actually why I push for depth with my customers. So talking shallow hunting is to talk a lot more technicalities and little things. Um, in deep water, they don't see people. They just might come up and check you out. In shallow water, they see a lot of people. You know, odds are if you're not a very advanced person going to the corners of the, you know, spearfishing, you know, worlds, um, then you're probably going somewhere that other people have gone the day before. And if that's the case, these fish see people. And they are very skittish. Uh, the better and more desirable the fish are, the more skittish they are. A good rule of thumb I tell the guests, you know, is if these nice big, you know, fish might be swimming right up to you and they're all colorful or solid black. There's a reason why they're swimming right up to you because they don't get shot. You know, no one's shooting. Uh, so, no, don't shoot them. Um, but the I more, you know, locals love their parrotfish, for example. They got to be on Maui. They've got to be 14 inches or bigger and they got to be red. Uh, and then there's more complicated stuff about the other parrotfish, but the main ones, that's the rule. And good luck getting within shootable distance to a legal parrotfish mm. on Maui. Um, we can do it as guides, as professionals. Um, I don't even have to worry about customers trying to take those because they can't. It's it's too difficult. Um, you need two-minute bottom times, typically, Um uh, you can get really good at some of the little techniques, uh, but um, depending on the fish you're going for, you're going to need different skill sets. So I would say for the, you know, guy who's going out there, guy and girl going out there wanting to, you know, do their Maui vacation and they like to spearfish now and then, I advise just simply focusing. Don't think about fish. Focus on getting down to the bottom, grabbing onto something solid with gloves. You know, don't go tearing up any coral, grab onto a solid structure and just lay perfectly flat. Plank your legs down. If you're floating like a cork, you probably need more weight. The shallower you are, the more you float. Don't just weight yourself until you're, you know, just, you know, a lead weight out there. Like, you'd be reasonable. Um, neutrally buoyant at 30 feet is proper. So I'll just say that. Um, but get down to the bottom. Hold on. Don't move. There's lots of little techniques and ways to trick fish into coming closer. And we can mention some of those, but odds are if you're doing, throwing some sand up to attract an emperor fish, you might be flailing your legs behind you, in which case don't do that. It's not worth it. Just lay flat. You're better off. So I don't actually get into a lot of the, on well, my courses, I don't get into a lot of the small things because we want to focus on the main things. Uh, and the main thing is, Stay down, stay flat, hold your breath longer. You're going to, the fish are going to slowly come up to you as long as you're not moving at the bottom because they are curious. They want to check you out. So that would be my first 
you know, advice. Don't move. That, so that would be what you'd consider like a foundational thing. I'm just thinking of, yeah. I, I was a wrestler. So that's where I, I don't know jack about basketball, football, nothing, but wrestling, it's a double leg takedown or a high crotch or it, like you have your standard foundation. Everybody learns how to do that sort of thing. So you would be saying just diving down, holding on to something and hold still. That's one of your foundational pieces. Yeah. And in Hawaii, we do not. Um, so speaking about hunting techniques, we don't lurk along the bottom, like the kelp forests and the West coast, things like that. We're not actively working the bottom. We are doing, there's two techniques in Hawaii. So I'm getting into my course material, so sure. I'm not going to give it away, but there's two main techniques in Hawaii. And that is the dive bomb and the ambush. The dive bomb, you swim down and shoot. So you swim straight at the fish and you shoot. That works against some fish. And the ambush, you lay down and you be perfectly still. Don't lurk the bottom. That scares fish. And so um, basically I'm speaking in, you know, the, the, the first one, yeah, go slow, aim at the fish, take, take the shot. You know, there's not a whole lot to talk about there. You know, we could get into maybe some stuff, but yeah, don't flail, take the shot. For the ambush, yeah. I mean, that's how we catch fish. It's not just, not only foundational, but it's also the main technique. It's called the ambush. You lay down, you stay still, you let the fish come to you. If you're going in a shallower area, odds are you're going to look for a type of fish that you're going for. We have different fish, mempachis and maninis and some smaller food fish. I don't encourage taking lots, but, uh, you know, stay respectful and uh, uh, legal. Check the size limits on all these different fish. You might see them first, you drop down 10 feet away from them. And then, like I said, you grab onto something solid and don't move. They'll work their way closer to you and then you can take the shot. So it is how we catch fish out here is the ambush technique. So no move. Yeah. And and not so much like maybe that's a more advanced technique of of looking underneath stuff or um, looking yep. kind of in those shots. Yeah, not a lot of, uh, there are some situations, I mean, a, a large cave, an arch, sure, there could be some trevally in there, that's talking more remote areas for the most part, but there are some areas that are accessible by, you know, your your amateur, that you might see an arch ahead of time, and, you know, I know some spots in front of hotels, you know, sure, get near that arch, and slowly look into the arch in case there's a big trevally in there, it probably isn't, and then you move on with what I said before, but there are some moments, but for the most part, you know, we don't have the lingcod. We don't have these fish that are just sitting in these holes too much. So it's not as much about, um, you know, checking holes and again, lurking on the bottom, which I see people do all the time. I get a lot of, a lot of my customers are, they spearfish once or twice a year and uh, they do a lot of lurking. And my advice to them is stop, find a okay. spot you like. I'll point it out. You see a lot of fish movement. That's a good spot. Get down to the bottom, grab on stop moving so again foundational we could there are some little things that you can add to the arsenal to help let's let's hear it. let's go for okay. it. yeah so you know when we are down there um <clears throat> we will dust so you tap the sand or you grab some sand and throw it up grab a rock rub it on the bottom uh people rub their bands uh and then there's a grunting sound just kind of a simple you know sort of thing uh, other sorts of nasal sounds that you can make that can mimic lobsters and things like that. Um, so these are some of, you know, probably probably the main uh, little ways of making noise and making a little bit of a commotion that can bring in uh, some fish. It, it can bring in the best fish, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, the gray snapper 
and the emperor fish are the two uh, main game fish. Um, with that said, most of the guys shooting those are shooting them 80 feet deep, 100 feet deep. Um, but we've shot them much shallower, you know, even as shallow as 15. It is possible. Um, I wouldn't sit out there looking for gray snapper in 15 feet of water. You know, you're, just, you're basically just swimming at that point. Um, but you always keep your left eye out. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, not deviating too far from this movement conversation is, mm -hmm. and I and I realize as you're diving, being calm is part and, and lowering that heart rate is a part of the breathing techniques, which I'm still pretending I know what I'm talking about uh, <laughs> but uh, there's there has to be a level of calmness so you, you're not frantically swimming anywhere um, so from the surface going down is that that movement is just just kind of getting there and very calm and smooth or are you focused on just I'm going to get there and then chill out I mean, it is, I would probably lean towards the get there and chill outside of things, but you're definitely not kicking the surface, splashing white water. You know, you're not yeah. swimming with your arms, you know, you're not flailing, looking back up towards the surface, trying to figure out you're equalizing and then going back down. Um, it is a formal entry technique that's going to, you know, lift one leg, two's okay, one leg or two up in the air, slip underwater. You're going to have to kick a little harder at the beginning because you're buoyant at the beginning. Your lungs are bigger, so you're more buoyant at the beginning. So you're going to kick a little harder, and then you're going to release those kicks as you get lower, a little softer as you get deeper, and uh, glide into your spot. So you might see the spot. You might. I will usually see the rock I'm going to hold on to from the surface. Get a nice, calm you know, demeanor. Big peak inhalation. Get a little free dive stuff going on. Proper dive entry. You're going to drop down away and you're going to glide into that rock so that you're flat when you reach there. If you go straight down and grab that rock you're looking at, now you're in a handstand position. How are you going to get into that planking position where you're hidden? So you got to glide down in there, grab on, stay in that flat along the bottom. And yeah, in the shallower water, I do advise having a coral head in front of you that you can kind of peek your head around and your body can be laid flat behind. And then you kind of have the gun kind of resting, not up in the air floating around, just resting at the bottom. The little details uh, are massive. Probably, I mean, you can imagine turkey hunting, whitetail. Um, one little, oops, stepped on a stick. You know, did a little twitch, sneeze. I mean, you're done. Yeah. You know, thankfully with spirit fishing, not everything in the whole area is gone. But I mean, you're doing that kind of stuff, and it's like any anything like that. And yeah, you're the fish you're hoping for is probably gone. You know, hmm. try again next time. You know, a little bit down the way. Um, so yeah, every little movement for sure from the top down, you want to be thinking about, you try to try to maximize, but with that said, you're buoyant at the surface, you are sitting there focusing on calmness. And I watch my guys just take forever to hit the bottom, you know, it's just, mm. like, just down there. You'll be all right. Grab and get yeah. still. Yeah. So, um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
where are my arms with all this process? Where's my yeah. gun and getting down there? Where, where do I want to do that? So that can, I, I'm not looking like this giant predatory fish of some sort. Huh? Oh, one hand's on your gun, one hand's on your nose. So your hands are pretty well taken up. Um, you're going to be doing your entry technique. There's, you can have the gun simply right up against you like this. Um, usually you do kind of a side thing where the, where you're going to pull the gun down here. You want the tip past your head but the gun might run along the face and up to here. So you can, you know, you know where that tip is at all, all the time, of course. Yeah. Um, either way, that arm is tucked in, gun here or down, pointed up. The other hand is here. Yeah, no elbow out for sure. I tell people that a lot. Bring that elbow in when you're equalizing. Streamline. That's less about the hunting, although sure, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be flailing. Um, more about the you know the dynamics of it if your if your arm is out it's like a parachute you're trying to dive smoothly you want to be streamlined so your streamline your legs are your whole power bringing you down to the bottom so once you reach the bottom you don't have to equalize anymore you're at the bottom you don't have to equalize going up your hand's now free at that point you're going to use your hand to stabilize yourself at the bottom the more shallow you are the more buoyant you are like i said and that's a big factor for my shallow spear fishermen they hate being so buoyant it's so tiring to hold your you're planking your whole bottom your whole body is planked feet all the way up and it's based on just your hand holding the bottom so you can imagine how much planking kind of yeah. has to happen if you're really buoyant that can be difficult because if you're trying to hunt in 10 feet of water i mean your other option is to load yourself up with weights but that is that would go against any proper safety advice for free diving yeah. um some people who know they're going to stick at 10 feet five to 10 feet are going to load up more often um does you know i'm not saying she should but people yeah. do but then next thing you know you're going 30 feet and you've got all this weight on you now you're struggling to get back up you know there's some serious safety concerns with free diving which we haven't even touched on yeah. and yeah but um you don't want to be yeah so you want to be there's a lot of factors taken into consideration but but uh, yeah, shallow, hold on to the bottom tight. Um, you got to kind of plan this in advance. You know, people are usually, when I ask them, you know, how deep do you plan on going on this dive? What do you plan on targeting? It's it's usually just, uh, I don't know, I'm looking for good fish. I don't know what else to say. And it's like, all right, well, you know, you don't know how to prepare properly for the targets that you're going for. So I do advise knowing your targets ahead of time, period. This is what I'm going out there looking for. These three fish, these five types of fish. Yeah. Uh, that's big. Okay. Good to know. Um, the I already know notice the buoyancy issues in freshwater. And I, I mean I can only imagine you like you have to wait up there, even with your your newbies. Are you everybody throwing on a little weight? Yeah, as long as they don't tell me they're beginner snorkeler, um, they're getting weight. Yeah, I give uh I give people four pounds. Uh, I give them an upper body wetsuit, which is not enough to stay warm. It's enough to, you know, be fine for the day. If you were going to do this many days, I advise a full body suit. Um, but I give people an upper body wetsuit that's like a T-shirt style, three millimeters. And I give them four pounds. And then I adjust from there based on the body type. For my really small customers, you know, real skinny, um, two pounds. And then for large guys i almost never go more than eight pounds 
you know, extra large, maybe 10 or 12, but that's rare. And not that they shouldn't have that much. I'm just not comfortable giving 12 pounds onto, uh, yeah. you know, onto customers, but um, it's just a lot of extra weight to, to lug around. But don't get me wrong. When I'm, when I take a regular spear fisherman who bring their own gear, they always come out with twice as much weight as they should. So mm-hmm. a guy will show up with 14 pounds of weight on their belt and a three millimeter full suit. And, you know, they weigh 220 or something. They should probably have six pounds, maybe eight, mm-hmm. uh, but they'll show 14, you know. And so I advise getting used to lighter weighting. Of course, you know, I, I take that guy's weight off and then he's uncomfortable because he's used to 14. So it's a step back to take two steps forward. This yeah. thing happens all the time with my amateur spear fisherman who joined me. Yeah. Um, do uh and with all your your customers you're using actual spear guns i'm assuming or and yeah. any any poles probably the main reason i i don't we don't really use pole spears um on occasion we'll show people um because you know i don't know one reason or another there we mostly use them to get taco and we let the taco go octopus um we call them taco um and uh, but you can get that just as easily with a with a spear gun. I mean, there's very little reason to use a pole spear. Uh, the best reason is because you can get a breakdown pole spear that fits easily into a suitcase. That's probably the best argument for one. Um, a hand, you know, and then well, the other best argument is that it's fun if you like using the hand spear. Spear fishing in Hawaii is hard enough to add. You know, a pole spear into the mix is to make your life ten times harder, literally. Yeah. So. Um, if you enjoy it, then that's what you should do. But if your goal is to try to get some fish, you should use a spear gun. Um, our fish tend to not get close. You know, anything you'd want to shoot tends to stay away. Uh, the spear gun gives you the range five times that of a hand spear. So you just need the range. So hundred centimeter. We use centimeters out here for our spear gun length. So you can do the math, but hundred centimeter to 110 centimeter. Okay. Uh, is the right length, uh, double band spear guns. Um, we, you know, we do too it, here as the, or the company I, I buy a Mako spear gun. Uh, and yeah. I think I have a 70 centimeter one, but yeah, our, our visibility is not anywhere near. I have a very beautiful lake nearby. Um, my skinny butt freezes to death in that thing because <laughs> it's a mountain lake with lake trout in it. But uh, um, it might get 65 degrees, might in the heat of summer. Um, but it's, and that's pretty clear. That's about as clear as we're going to get. But you just don't, we don't have that range because we can't, you can't see, <laughs> see that far. So why would you need to shoot that far? Yeah. Um, no, that's right. Yeah, we need you need 100 to 110 centimeter out here, but that's actually considered really long in most places. Hmm. Interesting. Um, the tell me some more. Like again, like we were talking, I I don't even know what questions exactly for hunting techniques. I feel like oh, ready to go. <laughs> but yeah, I want to hear more. Give me some more techniques on on. Uh, what we can do be doing at the surface or going down or or hiding at the bottom yeah uh to I'll be a rundown of kind of a hypothetical day oh, yeah perfect um and i would say uh again it starts with knowing what 
your plan is. So um, like you mentioned, all right, we're not going to be passing 30 realistically. We're going to stick to 20 to 30. Um, by the way, with my customers who say that, I my response to them for my customer is to say, all right, well, let's teach you some techniques. Let's see what you can do out there and see if all of a sudden 40 starts to feel like 20 to you. If that's the case, then why not go 40? The fish are bigger and dumber, deeper. So let's just <laughs> go in a little more. So on a side note, um, but if you know in advance, you're sticking to, you know, whatever, 30 and below, um, you're going to want to likely have your main, you know, you want food. You want to get something to take back. Um, everybody wants a big game fish. Everybody wants a fish they need to fillet. You know, your hope, if you're going to be sticking to 30 or less, is a giant trevally. Um, that's not going to be likely, you know, uh, these are, um, I mean, everybody wants to get one and it is possible to get a huge one. They get up to 200 pounds. The state record for spear fishing is 164. Uh, our class record in a beginner course is 51. Um, so huge, huge, 10 feet of water. So it is possible. Uh, that's 12 years full time, yeah. multiple guys. You know, that's the biggest, but, um, so I would not advise that being your main target, but keep your left eye out for it and be prepared. Um, you may want to reel on your spear gun if you're thinking you would take a shot at something like that, but anything under 20 pounds for a giant trevally or a, another type of jackfish, like a blue, uh, a, a, one of the, the blue fin, like uh, we call them omilus, the blue fin trevally. Uh, there's a million names for them. I don't know yeah. if I want to go for Hawaiian on it, but um, for our blue fins, um, not tuna, um, they are uh, 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 up to 20 pounds. Yeah, you you plug up 10 pound plus, you're going to be holding on to that sucker tight. And I know this is the kind of stuff people want to be talking about. This is the kind of stuff people want to be thinking about. But unless you're ready to push your free diving skills and focus on depth and time, I just simply would say, sure, learn about it it's probably never going to happen in 10 feet of water going five times a year or less. Um, so the fish you're going to realistically be targeting are going to be, for example, goat fish. Um, we don't do those on our tours. Let's kind of, most of these fish I would mention aren't, we don't go for on our tours, just invasives and game fish like trevallis, but you might catch a goat fish for, uh, for dinner. Um, check on their limits, different goat fish have different size limits. Um, uh, squirrel fish, soldier fish um these types of fish you can find them on the dlnr website dlnr department of land and natural resources um they have their fishing regulations online you got to look this stuff up first if you just go out there and have at it you know i can only assume what people are thinking i probably what i was thinking at five and six years old when i was just like let's just see what happens i shoot fish i shouldn't have shot and i'm not shooting good fish you know because i'm not ready to know what i'm looking for so that's where it starts. Um, so assuming you're going to get some soldier fish, mempachi, um, or goat fish, um, you're going to get your uh, 70 centimeters. All right. You can use that. Um, but you want, you know, if you're going to use a ideal gun. You're going to use a hundred centimeter. You can't rent it out here. You'd have to buy one, you know, gift it to somebody or just get used to shipping it or sending it back a sports tube or something. Um, you know, we could talk gear at some point, but you get the right gear in order for that yeah. as well. Um, you're going to find a spot. Um, the Mempachis live in, you know, live in cracks and near holes and things like that. Um, so in the wintertime, you're going to go south because there's north swells. In the summertime, you're going to go north because there's south swells. So you got to pay attention to the weather. 
pick a spot based on the weather, wind, waves, and rain. Those are the three big weather factors that you're going to be able to know ahead of time. Take that into account. Find a good weather spot. Maui is, you can spearfish anywhere that's legal, almost everywhere is legal, and anywhere that's legal is possible to get food. So you don't have to know exactly where to go. Of course, there are spots better than others, um, but you're fine anywhere as long as it's safe with the weather. Um, you got to know your ability with currents and things like that as well. So yeah, you go out there, um, you're going to probably, you should be able to spend a solid two hours in the water. I mean, that's, uh, I'd say that's a standard session, yeah. you know, some like an hour or something that's short. Um, once you get over three hours, it gets real long. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you're going to get out to, you know, if it's some spots are long, flat with flat coral beds on the bottom. Other spots are lots of structure cliffs. So you get out on the flats, you're going to have to swim out 100 yards or more to get to where there's more coral structure that has little cracks in the reds. Mimpachis are red, legal at, I think, five inches. I'm usually getting, you know, big ones once in a while. But um, when I see them, because we're going for game fish deeper when I go for fun and stuff like that. And uh, um, and so you're going to, you know, um, check out your holes. When you see a hole that has a, they, they live in, they have schools, you know, a bunch of them in there. Make sure there's a good size one and you want to take a couple of those. You're going to swim down next to that hole, you know, slowly approach it, pretty much just mostly staying still and letting them come out. But you may peek into that crack or whatever and wait. Um, that fundamental of laying there is everything still. And you sit there and wait. Once they come out and get a good broadside, you know, you take a shot, you know, be mindful of what's behind it. Try to shoot into, you know, brown algae covered you know, dead structure, sand's best, um, just not into the pretty live coral. So if you see colors, sure. figure it out. Most of the fish are going to line up in a way that you can actually hit them without hitting any live coral. So that's what you're aiming for. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you plug, a, a, a you know, two of those, three of those, and then you might go swim around, look for octopus, or maybe get lucky with a, uh, a game fish, you know, and, uh, you know, just plug enough for dinner that night, you know, and then go back and, 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 and fry those up. So that would be kind of the um, attitude that you'd want to have going into it. So I said the flat, you're going to have to swim out farther. The cliff areas are very obvious, long, rocky points. You jump off the point on the tip of the point is usually what I like to do. I mean, get you right in the middle of the spot as opposed to swimming from inside the bay. You got to swim hundreds of yards to get to the point where the more fun fishing is anyway it could be 30 feet wall straight down in which case you might hug the wall itself you're literally fishing five feet off the shore and that's all right um you can find some of those edible fish along the wall um maybe go to the bottom and lay there as well um same thing so just a different you know one's right next to the shore which is cool i kind of like that with my tours uh one you got to swim a few hundred yards out to get to uh, any real fishing so yeah, that could be um, one way to kind of look at the process. Uh, yeah. uh, so if anything stood out in there, it makes you think of anything, feel free. Um, honestly, what sticks out in there is the current and safety aspect of that. Like, I, I know I, something I didn't expect, even just cruising around in a lake here, is my my level of anxiety of just i need to look up and see what's going on like i was in a back couple back bays every time i went out and still concerned about boats concerned about um uh, and so i here we have to have a 15 inch cross flag that, on yeah. a float that we're cruising around with 
Um, and it's just that level of, I can see this world down here. I can't see what's going on above me. So that yeah. freaked, freaked me out. And then um, I'm not comfortable in the ocean. No, or as in, I don't know it. Um, as far as currents, I don't have a clue. Swimming out a hundred yards, 200 yards. I don't know what's stupid and I don't know what's not, what's normal. So yeah. is that stuff you cover in, in your class at all? I or? Mean, it definitely depends on the, uh, on the customer. We get a good feel. It's a small group environment. We get a feel if these, you know, our customers are going to actually go out there and do it again, or if this is just a uh, parasailing, you know, to them, yeah. it's just, yeah. So yeah, we can cover a lot of that stuff. I mean, when it comes to currents, you don't really know. I mean, of course, you can look at the tides. Uh, you can look at how the water folds over itself. And you can see, you know, a point, as I mentioned, is going to have the, what we call it, the, the current will supercharge around the point because all that water in the bay is going to want to move its way around to the next bay. So it funnels in. And so that point may be just screaming current. Well, in that case, you would go out on the upcurrent side, you'd drift that point and you'd come in on the downcurrent side. Um, you know, it's not just going to take you out in the middle of the ocean. It's going to be along the shore. If, if it's sucking you out, that's because the, the land is going out in the, you know, it's, it's a point. And so the current is coming out towards the open ocean. In that case, you have to swim out of that rip current and around. Now, this doesn't suffice as a full safety course right here. Yeah. yeah. But the point is, there is always a way back to shore. Um, if you're not confident, like to the point of being sure that you know how to get back to shore in the case of a rip current near a bay or whatever, um, then no. I mean, you just can't go swimming out there no. without being confident. So um, thankfully, um, really, it, it, there isn't any glaring, like, Oh yeah, spear fishermen. You know this is the, you know, Bermuda Triangle of Maui where spear fishermen just go missing when they go there. Like, there are, aren't really spots like that. We don't have our down currents. I hear about in these other places. We, you know, our tide change is three feet, uh, max. You know, highest to lowest. So it's uh, manageable. Uh, but you do know have to understand how currents, the basics of how currents work. So, so for sure. I mean. Um, if you're caught in a rip, you swim around, you know, if, if I have to explain this to you here, then you're not ready, you know, you're right, uh, right. But, but to go, you know, alone, you're never supposed to spearfish yeah. alone. Um, but you spearfish, you know, with a buddy, you know, on your own without a professional, I mean, and, uh, yeah, you have to, you have to understand that, you know, the currents realistically on a, on a, a flat, long, slow sloping area, like Kanapali, a very popular tourist destination, uh, the currents can rip side by side. So we'll go out. We'll, you know, the current will just take us along the shoreline for over a mile sometimes on a heavy day. And then we'll come in somewhere else and walk back. And we'll just do a huge loop and cover that whole area. So we use the current to our advantage. We covered a lot more distance, got to see more stuff, and didn't have to swim it. We just floated our way through there. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of stuff, I mean, again, it's... Um, it probably would take some getting used to going out there and keeping it shallow. You're probably not going to go swim 200 yards out your very first time in Hawaii, you know, but, um, but nevertheless, you know, feel it out as you get further out, you'll feel some current. Okay. Let's hang here for a while. 
all right, I can swim in. Oh, I got in easily. All right, let me go back out there. That wasn't such a big deal. Okay, you know, you can feel it out and and just be smart about that. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was figuring to doing is like I wasn't even gonna bring my gun and just mm-hmm. go with a guide, go with a um with with your your crew or something. Uh, just be and and have a day of doing that, and just because it's like I I don't feel like that's I am not ready for any sort of thing. That's a whole new world of stuff there. Like I, I understand the guys that are, that are going into the mountains that are not prepared. I understand what it it means to be prepared for that kind of stuff and what a South Dakota winter is like and what I need to have on me. Yeah. Uh, I I hiked a couple hundred yards from my pickup the other day, uh, archery deer hunting, and it was 12 degrees. I'm not, I'm not leaving without my little pack my little safety yeah. pack that's got this and that in it to start a fire, do this, that, like, I know what my, my boundaries are. So yeah, yeah I, same I, the other I, way around, I wouldn't mess around. Oh, I was born and raised in 70 degree weather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's a it's same thing, different world um, of knowing what our boundaries are for sure. And I, I didn't mean for this podcast to turn into Clint's adventure to Maui, like everybody else's trip. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk the hunting style, but I guess that's where we went is the, uh, um, kind of just what, what to expect. I mean, it's a, it's but, pretty attractive. Wanna, I mean, you can't help but think what you're going to do out here because, you know, especially you're coming, you know, and a lot of the yeah. listeners are going to be here. I mean, one of the most popular destination places in the world. Um, when I went to college, everybody was like, oh yeah, this, I like this jump. I like this cliff. I like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're talking about my hometown. Like I've never even heard about your hometown. You know, it's, yeah. uh, people are coming here and, yeah. uh, I think it's really practical. Um, and I would say if you are going to come out here, um, and spearfish, um, never spearfish alone. I mean, people do it. It's just, that's, yeah. you know, the, that is always the safety mantra. Uh, if you hold your breath too long, you black out. If you black out and nobody's watching you, you're dead, you know, you know. So with that said, you're out there. If you go out not far offshore, you know, I mean, you're not going to die of cold. You're not going to get eaten by a shark. Realistically, I mean, people get struck by lightning, I guess. But, you know, stay out of murky water. If, it, if you can't see anything, this Hawaii is supposed to be decent clarity. Let's just say 30 feet of visibility. Let's call it that. If you can see 30 feet, okay, stay out of the murk. Uh, sharks do live here, and when you can't see them, uh, that's when they might come in and check you out. It's extremely unlikely, but again, stay out of murky water. It's simple as that. Um, and you, you are all right. You know, of course, I advise using a guide, and I advise us we're the best guides. But um, you know, play around with it and uh, and and stay legal. That's easy to figure out on the websites. And, uh, and, and yeah, you are good. You are okay. Unlike the cold. I mean, a beginner can test the waters and not, uh, you know, die of hypothermia right outside of their cabin or something. That's not gonna, it's not gonna happen out here. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, totally different question. Um, your day off, you're not working and you're going spearfishing. What's a typical spearfish day for you look like? Thankfully, very different than my tours um people you know making your hobby and your your lifestyle your job can have its you know downsides 
Uh, and thankfully, I can still enjoy hunting on my own and not feel like it's uh, routine. Um, for me, um, there is, a, you know, some YouTube videos and stuff of, of, you know, GoPro on my head from many years back. I got tired of doing the, uh, the GoPro stuff. I might do it again, but I haven't done it in a long time. And so you can see some of it, actually. Um, so uh, whatever we can, I can mention those at some yeah. point. But um, we're going to go offshore uh, in a more remote area almost always. I, I mean, I will admit, I because of my tours, I rarely spearfish in normal areas. That is a little more routine for me. And I don't, you know, don't do it on my off days, but I wait for the weather. Um, uh, when the weather's looking really nice for my spots up, you know, up North where people uh, don't go and shouldn't go, um, because of, you know, localism, heavy waves, heavy currents, you know, you name it, uh, steep cliffs. We'll hike down those cliffs, get out there. Um, don't usually look for fish until I get, uh, at least 60, 70, 80 feet deep uh, of water depth, of, you know, so I'm swimming out a little ways. It doesn't take long in those, those areas to get deep though. Five, 10 minutes swim. And I'm, you know, deeper than anyone wants to spearfish. Um, and, uh, and we're going for the gray snapper, probably first and foremost, Uku, UKU is what we call it out here. Um, and I have me and a buddy, sometimes two buddies. We'll do even four or five people, but that's, you know, rare. Um, usually two of us get out to, uh, let's say a hundred feet of water. Um, and then we'll take turns diving down, um, formal free dive safety is in place. So you lay there at the surface, you get totally calm, relaxed, big peak inhalation, um, fill those lungs up and smooth dive down. I'm not looking for fish for the most part. Sure. We look for them at the surface. We might chum some without a boat. I don't, I, I like to go for shore. I like to actually get more than I spent for the day. It's kind of hard to do when you have a boat. It's a lot of money that goes into boats. Yeah. Spearfish actually make more in fish meat than you costed you to go do it, especially if you go from shore. So we go from shore out there. And, and, and so you bring in a lot of chum and bringing in sharks more often that way when you've got a long way to swim to shore without a boat. I'm not huge on it, but we'll chum on a nice day. Um, hit the bottom. Don't move wait for the gray snapper to come in. Um, like I said, dusting the bottom works really nice for that fish. Uh, I'm usually looking for at least about a four pounder. A pound is legal. Uh, most guys will get a two or three pounder, especially when they haven't shot a lot yet, but I want at least a four pound gray snapper. Uh, um, and uh, a 10 pound is like uh, a trophy. Most people would love to shoot that. Um, 20 pound is the kind of the big, you know, I made it, you know, sort of feel like I got yeah. one, you know, yeah. the 20 pound gray snapper is, uh, you know, like my fish print up here in the corner, you get that thing printed, um, you know, put on a wall, you can still eat it. It is amazing eating. Um, I was very fortunate to get a 29 pounder, but never quite broke the 30 mark yet. Hmm. Uh, and so I've gotten, a, I've gotten a dozen or so over that 20 mark, which is, uh, which is very fortunate. Um, more lucky than skill at that point. You just got to see what comes up. I've seen tunas. I've shot a lot of Ono or Wahoo. They're pelagic fish, open ocean fish that will actually come in. Because we're further out, you'll have those bigger pelagic fish. So, you know, 30, 40, 50 pound Wahoo, Ono. Shoot those once in a while. It's amazing. Drag that to shore. That's a party, you know. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of going big or going home. And then on the way in, if we don't get anything, which happens, uh, we just don't get anything no shots no nothing 
I might grab a little squirrel fish or something to, uh, if I'm in the mood to pan fry something up. And then we do have lobster. So lobster season, September, all the way around April. So on the way in, whether we get stuff or not, I'm always checking a few holes, at least of my favorite holes. And you can grab the lobsters with your hands out here. You can't shoot them and they got to be male. Um, and then you I'll bring those to shore and uh, fish and lobster, barbecue them up, you know, mm. so kind of the dream for sure. And yeah, that's all 15 minutes from my house so that's awesome I, I don't rarely go more than that so yeah yeah no kinda, that's kind of i just wanted to hear what the uh what your yours is because i i do the same my my profession my passion is also my work and in, in uh, my 40 hour a week job so it i i feel that where you okay i was hunting for for work for four days and now it's like i get a day to go do that myself and how's that look different so yeah. very very cool yeah the free diving i i can't stress it enough you know i've, I've you know hinted at it over this whole time and um i would uh, challenge anyone who is kind of wanting to uh skip over that they're like ah just it seems too intense or whatever yeah it's not if you just do what you feel comfortable doing learn the proper free diving i mean it is so fun and that's actually what keeps me addicted to the deep stuff is I'm getting to do an extreme sport, you know, yeah. free dive. It is an extreme sport for sure, but it's kind of like, it's, it's different. It's calming. It's not, it's not adrenaline filled. It's, you know, so this calming extreme sport of pushing my body, pushing the depths, pushing the time. And that might be 20 feet. Eventually it might be 30 or 40 or more. Mm -hmm. um, but I get to, you know, it's like getting a barrel on a wave. It's exciting when you're a hundred feet down and waiting for fish. And so I get that sort of like wonder and that, you know, that I go, I go home, like, I had a great day. I didn't take a shot, you know, yeah. and uh, but that's what keeps me going with the deep stuff for sure. Is there uh, layers that you're kind of swimming through or is it just like same clarity as you go? It's in Hawaii. It tends to be the same um, in the spots I go. Uh, it tends to be a little hazier at the surface and about 15 feet down. It clears up more. There's, you know, there's rivers, river mouse all throughout Hawaii and, and they'll have some sort of silty stuff at the surface sometimes. So it's very normal if I go down and after about 15 to 30 feet, it turns into some sort of aquarium postcard sort of scene. Um, it's pretty ridiculous down there. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's it's great enough in the 10 to 30 feet. I mean, people come from across the world to come see that. Uh, and it's twice as good at 100, um, huh. you know. So, yeah, it's it's pretty unreal. You got fish every fish that people on the inshore would shoot. They're just all around you. And you're sitting there passing all that up, waiting for the, you know, the big boy. We might only do uh, five to 10 drops in a day if we're going for a hundred plus yeah. um, as a taxing on the body. So you're not going to typically go down and shoot a smaller food fish, uh, as we call, you know, like a little pan fryer. If you're going to go a hundred feet down, uh, you get your shaft stuck down there shooting, you know, in a hole, shooting a yeah. smaller fish you're a lot of regret there so i know yeah. it well so we typically reserve our shots for the big fish and just enjoy the scenery yeah well i want to wrap it up and uh um if you wouldn't mind plug uh well where we can see those videos and then also uh maui spearfishing academy just uh work people check things out yeah um appreciate that maui spearfishing academy or maui spearfishing.com i mean you just look for the academy it's really easy to find us south maui spearfishing uh, we're the main, you know, groups, uh, you know, we're the ones who, you know, kind of pop up first, you know, you'll see us right away when you look us up. So that's really simple. 
um, for, uh, I mean, there's some fun videos, um, you know, Uku, UKU, Debrief, Maui, um, got a GoPro footage of my, my buddy Kyle Hunt. He's a great videographer, edited it and put a, a GoPro on my head. You get the full experience. I advise checking that YouTube video out if you want to see what a real deep spearfishing start to finish kind of looks like. So, yeah, check that yeah. one out. And uh, we didn't get into it because you you told that story in a, another podcast but your your crazy shark story with the spear gun <laughs> yeah. uh where where can people hear that story because that's worthwhile checking out when was the last well, time you, know, you told I, it um this ocean life is uh yeah. is is the group um i mean i couldn't it was a while ago now so i don't know i don't know if you, you so you saw it you found it so you'll have yeah. to you'll yeah tell them where it's now because they actually removed it from the platform last i checked Oh yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. Where did you? Where did <laughs> that, you see that? Yeah, that ocean life. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, and then I think I just searched, or I kept scrolling down episodes until I saw your name and eighty-eight. And my buddy Luke Adolphson does the next one on big wave surfing, really good as well. Oh huh. yeah, well, it was it was just totally out of my element of everything on that podcast, but it was interesting, and it was like I want to hear this story and hear. Uh, do a little research for this wanted to to hear the story so that's nuts <laughs> yeah yeah that is, no. <laughs> that is change your wetsuit <laughs> it's nuts no, yeah. i mean there are sharks out there and i was breaking the rule of murky water so you know long short shark in my face and had to block it with the side of my spear gun and mouth open in my face looking down his throat um i broke some simple rules uh main mm-hmm. one just far out in very dirty water after a storm so uh i was thinking of that when i said stay out of dirty dirty water murky water you know it's kind of uh uh can't i haven't been back to that spot and it's been i you know october 30th was like the i don't know 13th anniversary so uh, but uh i still think about that one that's for sure (laughs) well bobby i appreciate your time um thanks so much uh don't log off here i want to ask another question or two but um appreciate your time very much and we'll get this published here pretty soon and and uh, i'm excited to head to head to your state head to your it's a great meeting in person and having some fun that would be great